following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Okay, you hear that music, you know the show. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. And somebody's trying to call me on my cell phone. You know the deal. I'm in the studio doing my show, so I am not going to answer that call. I'm going to uh, continue to do the show and have a great time doing the show. It's a beautiful day here in Phoenix, as it always is. It's about 100 and, you know, come on, man. Once it gets past 100, it's just hot. And when it's hot, it's hot because there's heat. Yeah, you thought you know how to lead that in there. Heat, that's right. It's, it's heat not only here in the valley, but it's heat in the playoffs. And I mean the Miami Heat, and they are turning it up. Man, LeBron and, and company doing their thing. But listen, I don't want to get too. Uh, how should I say this? I don't want to get. I don't want to become overconfident because this is still basketball. Just like football, like Herm said, you know, you play to win the game. You have to play the game first. And scenarios have played themselves out before. I think, uh, you know, LeBron certainly has been here before, been there, done that, seen it. And, you know, he, if nobody else, I think LeBron is going to be extremely aggressive in the game because, you know, LeBron does not want to go home empty handed this time around. I think the man's on a mission. I think he's got some things to prove. But before I go into that, let me just say this. I, I got a few things that I think uh, I'm not sure they were handled properly. It's not up to me to decide if they were handled properly. But I, I think that there was an attempt by Mike Wilbon and, 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 and the commissioner, David Stern, to address the issue of the conversation that was held by Jim Rome and Commissioner Stern, of which I think is very obvious to me and a lot of people out there in the world that there was an apology that should have come forth from the commissioner. And it just appeared to me that he just refused to apologize for his response, but felt that he still needed to address the same thing that he had already addressed, you know, previously. So if there was no need to to respond or to apologize, then what why the need to, you know, go back and readdress something you had already addressed? And that was the lottery and the NBA lottery. And there's some people, you know, more than reason was was there for them to feel the way the way they did. And that was it possibly could there be a fix in this thing here, Commissioner? And so the commissioner, I guess, he can because he can, because he is who he is. 
he decided that, okay, let's readdress this issue. But in familiar territory of which I control. And I just felt as if Mike and I have all the respect in the world for Mike. You know, one of the pioneers in the business as it relates to African-American men in the world of sports. And and he certainly, I felt, gave the commissioner a pass. Now, I, I, I just feel as if, you know, if he were going to take the commissioner's, you know, on, if he was going to take him on and, and like, OK, commissioner, I'm going to ask you this question. And certainly I'm going to ask the question that you've already answered. But it's not about the answer in terms of, you know, you feeling it was a stupid question, but it's the extended answer that you gave where you wanted to ask Jim Rome if he was still beating his wife. That, that's the part that we all, you know, we got past the lottery part. Okay. Yeah. Maybe that. Well, okay. What are you supposed to say? Yeah. As a matter of fact, it is, um, you know, fixed. Uh, as a matter of fact, we have this, th- these couple guys that come in every year and they, they do a couple things for, you know, a couple balls, a little weighted more than the others. And, and they tend to, uh, you know, the other ones tend to go down and, and the light ones pop up and that's the one we want to pop up. That's the way we do it. Come on. You know, he wasn't going to give that kind of answer. And he knew that Jim Rome was going. I'm sure he was prepared. Even if you weren't prepared, you're supposed to be prepared. So when you're not prepared, you're still prepared. In the event that somebody asked you a question that you feel is out of bounds, you still should be prepared to answer that question. And so the fact that when Jim Rome hit him with that, he gave his answer. But to go on and to stoop that low and to be that insensitive to how many. And I'm, I'm readdressing an issue that I already addressed because I wasn't happy with the answer that he gave when he came back. And he said he didn't answer it. it well, we don't want you to come back and talk about if the lottery was fixed or not. We wanted you to come back and apologize to all those women out there of which you offended by your lack of sensitivity and what they deal with on a day-to-day basis. All over the world, women are abused. You know, women are caught up in situations where, you know, they're being abused. In situations where, you know, they don't, they don't have any place to turn to, anybody to turn to. And you're going to make humor of it? You know, really? Now, somebody's phone is ringing. I don't know whose phone that is, but it's not mine. I don't know how a phone's ringing, but I, do you hear a phone ringing? I hear a phone ringing. <laughs> it's not my phone ringing. Maybe that's the commissioner calling because he certainly should call because there's no doubt in my mind. Commissioner Stearns needs to go back again and readdress the same issue that he didn't address. And that is, I do need to apologize. I need to be man enough to man up because I know that what I did last week is not what you all wanted me to do. What I did Sunday is not what you all wanted me to do. You know, as a matter of fact, that was Father's Day. You could have manned up on Father's Day and just said it was totally inappropriate of me to be as insensitive as I was with the remark that I made when, of course, this person across from me, and I don't even want to mention his name, provoked me. And I should have had a little bit more control than I did. But but I, I, I of course, did not. And so I, I'm, I'm going to, you know, take this time out. I believe I have my guest, Mark Armstrong. Mark, you on the line with me? 
I'm here. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you just fine, Mark. You're loud and clear, and I want to thank you for joining me. Mark, I don't know if you heard, you know, but I just went on a little rant there. And uh, it was a, it was all about Commissioner Stern. And I'm sure that you and probably millions of other press, maybe you didn't. Maybe you missed it. But Commissioner had a conversation, if you will, with Jim Rome. And the conversation led to a remark of which I'm sure the commissioner one day will acknowledge the fact that he was totally wrong in his response. And but the but the question was about if indeed the lottery of which appears to some people may have been fixed because it appears that the team that's most needed in terms of needing that pick to pick the best person available in the NBA draft, always finds itself in a position that they're getting that pick. And, of course, the team that is being controlled by the ownership this year found themselves with that lot, you know, that lottery pick. And so Jim asked the question about, man, there are many millions of people who think perhaps maybe this, you know, is something going on? Is this thing fixed? After watching a boxing match that, you know, the world field was fixed. And the commissioner took offense to it. And after he gave one response, he continued on and followed it up with, you know, are you still beating your wife? And which I think is extremely insensitive. And so does everybody else. Do you think the commissioner should have manned up on Father's Day and instead of going back and readdressing the issue of the lottery, been man enough to say that he was he was totally out of bounds with his remark as it related to asking Jim Rome, are you still beating your wife? That's not that's nothing to to be, you know, there's no humor in that at all. Absolutely. There's no humor in that at all. And Commissioner Stern was absolutely out of bounds with that comment. But it it goes to reflect and give insight to the arrogance David Stern shows from time to time uh, in, in the public forum. That was a very arrogant statement for him to make as if, he was untouchable, that I can belittle you, that you made your career, Jim Rome, off of stirring up mess, and I'm going to belittle you right now because you are asking a question that the public wants to know. You're asking a question that's based upon public dialogue, and that's his job, is to present these questions to these people that uh, are decision makers so they can address it and give them the platform to address it publicly. And David Stern has been so um, nonchalant and dismissive uh, every time this has come, every time this topic has come up. I don't know if you have noticed that, but every time this topic comes up, you just see, he just seems to blow it off and doesn't, I feel, dress it in a serious manner to at least bring some closure to this because every several years, like you said, right, this issue comes up again and it's just, too many coincidences, I would say, wouldn't you? I agree, I agree with you, Mark. And, and he tries to uh, justify the integrity, uh, if you will, of the lottery be, because there's some accounting firm that's been a partner with them for years. And, and we, we know accounting firms can be bought, too. It's not like that's never happened before. <laughs> but, uh, but, but certainly, uh, I agree with you. And, and for him to, to take the approach of, of a dictator, I would think that the NBA, even if it is such, the structure is that he is the commissioner, uh, I don't think he has the last say in everything. He still has to report to some small body of men or women 
at the ownership level that decides if he goes to work today or tomorrow. Would you agree with that, Mark? He's not untouchable? Uh, he, he's, he definitely reports to the, the ownership, but look who, his boss, look who his bosses are. I mean, we just came out of uh, an extensive shortened season. We came out of a shortened season as a result of the dispute between the owners and the players. And I think we did get some insight into the mindset of some of these owners. So, uh, I mean, are we surprised? Do, do we think that in, in, an ownership group that ultimately wants to realize that the bigger the pot is for the NBA, the better it is for everybody, that they wouldn't be in collusion with with something that in, in the big picture could benefit the NBA. Yeah, but Mark, you know what I'm surprised at? I mean, we live in a we live in a, a, a United States of America where there is freedom of speech, and we live in a protest society. I am so surprised that there weren't you know thousands of women protesting outside the stadium. Hmm. Interesting. That's interesting observation, right? Uh, that never crossed my mind. That's a very interesting observation. Hmm. Yeah, and, I, and, and and particularly because, you know, the NBA does, of all the teams uh, in the professional sports, the leagues that are out there, they do try their best to appear, uh, I mean, to appeal to its fans. And, and, and particularly, they're very sens- they're sensitive to women. I mean, on Mother's Day, they do a great job of highlighting the players and, and their mothers. They, they do a great job. You, you see that there's always women involved. Uh, even the other day when LeBron, you know, walked out of the arena and took his, uh, you know, his headband off, he handed it to a lady. She put it right on. And, of course, they made sure we saw that. I, I would just think that one of the things that the owners would want to do in terms of PR was immediately to squash that and to to know that the media is I don't think the media is going to I'm not going to let it go. I, I, it just does not. It's something that they need to, to address just to let their fans know that it was uh, it wasn't a, it was a, it was a remark that was that was on emotion. It, it was not it, certainly he wasn't prepared to give that you know that response. He 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 knew Jim Rome like you and I talked about. You know what to expect when you walk into the Lions Den. But mm-hmm. I, I just don't think that the commissioner he's a smart enough man. Even so much so that he came back and I suggested that you know he do it prior to the game. He came back to address the same issue of the lottery of which was old news. But he came back to address the lottery in a comfort zone with Mike Wilbon. Let me ask you this. Do you think Mike Wilbon did a justice to the media in the way he he asked those questions himself? Well, we have to look at, uh, I would say yes and no. I, I, and I say that because we have to look at, uh, you know, so my first question is, outside of the, the network that Jim Rome's on now, I think he's on CBS now. I think uh, I think so. I'm the, not sure. The, the, the question is: Did any of the other media outlets, did any of their competitors, pick this up and and and, and broadcast this and bring this to the public's attention, or is it just those of us that really stay in tune with sports that are aware of one aware of of, of that conversation and Stern's comments? The second thing is. I mean, Will Byrne is on ESPN, ABC, which uh, is broadcasting the playoffs, et cetera. So there's a comfort zone in that there's a monetary economic relationship between those, between, uh, those two companies. 
they have a uh, they they have a it's advantageous for them to keep things kind of smooth. And you know, I wouldn't see ESPN picking that story up and, and broadcasting and painting David Stern out as being the bad guy off those comments. Uh, I, in some ways, in the back of my mind, I think you have guys over at the mothership that probably were chuckling, and guys over at Fox that probably were chuckling at, at that Jim Rome got kind of, you know, slapped by Stern without much. Uh, uh, response from any of the other media outlets. I mean, I haven't seen any other media outlet really stress it um, at, amongst the majors. Have you? Well, you know, I'm, I'm going to agree with you, but we have something out there that's very, very powerful, and we're going to talk about that when we come back, and that is the new media, and that's social media, and yeah. they were very upset with that. I think I hear a little music in the background, so we're going to take a break. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Finney's Living Like It Matters. Got my friend Mark Armstrong with me. He's going to come back after the break. We'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely disagree. Spies are especially at one to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a nine horse field, but really there are seven donkeys and two zebras. Playing to Win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com may not know all their names, but you certainly know what they did. They helped make this game into what it is today. Now we can do more to help them. The NFL Alumni Association is proud to assist our retired players to help make their lives better today and tomorrow. To learn more, please visit NFLalumni.org. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Okay, we're back. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. Got my friend with me, Mark Armstrong from Peach Peach Basket Development. Of course, his product is Basketball the Remix. Uh, before we left, uh, you know, Mark, you and I started talking about the various media outlets of which uh, did or did not address Commissioner Stern and uh, his lack of response to the, what the real issue was. And it was not the lottery, but it was the comment uh, about the, uh, you know, are you still beating your wife? And uh, the new media, the new media, the powerful, the elephant in the room took a hold to it, if no place else. And that is social media. And so so my 
uh, responds to the other media out there. Maybe they did not, but the other media doesn't represent the public as much as social media does. So in that arena, there are a lot of people out there who still want him to apologize for his comments he made about, of course, my man beating his wife, which, you know, was just totally out of bounds. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, with that being said, do you think that the commissioner possibly may go back and understand that this thing is not, because he can't control social media. You're, he can't control Mike Wilbon, which we would, you know, those in the media, sometimes you would like to hold on to your dignity and integrity and not let anybody just punk you out, even though they're writing a paycheck. You know, yeah. can we get a little backbone, you know, because, you know, I've always thought that Mike had strong backbone. And and I just think in this particular case, because of the even the, the smile that he brought to such a sensitive issue when he started out, it was like he was giving the commissioner a pass. So I just think that social media won't let it go. I want to ask you, do you think if the social media doesn't let go of it, will, will the commissioner step up and be man enough to address the issue and make a public apology? Do you think that's possible, Mark? Uh, the... You know, at this stage of the game, I don't think we're going to see a public apology unless there's a, 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 a momentum continues to grow and, and the NBA perceives that it's going to um, do significant damage to their brand overall. I think um, the advantage they have right now is they really got a great, they've had a great playoff. Playoffs have been outstanding. They have a great final series, a great storyline. There's so many positives that's taking place for the NBA at this point that I think they're going with non the, the approach of non-movement. Just be still, don't say anything, and, and hopefully it die out. And these other these these other events just just take over the headlines. And I think that's that's probably their approach. Uh, you know, business uh, you know PR crisis management would suggest that if they were going to do something, they would have made it official by now. Well, you're, 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 and you're probably right. I, I, I think they are, are taking the approach that, okay, let's just see if this thing will die out. Let's just see if it'll go away on its own. And if it does, you know, woo, we escaped, we, we escaped it. But if it, but if it doesn't, then, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna have to address it. And, and I, and I think, uh, perhaps maybe that's something that they're waiting to see. You know, this is a seven game series and it looks like it may go, you know, You'll get pretty close to seven games, you know, but with no tonight. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Oklahoma, we should. Oklahoma has to. Oklahoma has to win it tonight, and uh, it's interesting because uh, I haven't seen Oklahoma exposed the way they've been exposed the last game in a long time. So, uh, you know, maybe LeBron just would not be denied this year. But uh, I think they right now David Stern has some of the best distractions in, in, in the world working in his favor. Yeah, but you know, I, one thing about you know the NBA, you know the NBA, I think it was it, it may be about to happen, I, and I think it, I think it's Wednesday it's supposed to happen, and and that is uh, their social media awards. You know, so it yeah. it could be that out out of mm-hmm. nowhere there could be a blitz of people that are just all over Facebook and all over any other kind of social media, you know, Twitter and everything else, and it could be brought up to the attention. But let's get into some of the other. 
That's a good point, right? That's an excellent point. Yeah, but let, let's talk about some other aspects, of course, of the NBA that people are, are also very interested in. And that, of course, is the game. And uh, I, I wanted to ask you this again. You know, Mark, of course, you have a, a great career there at the great university at Loyal Marymount. And, and, and I wanted to ask you as a basketball player and trying to concentrate and get yourself in a zone where you're not distracted. Is that something that's difficult to do, the greater the challenge in terms of the level of championship environment? Or is it the same throughout? Because I'm starting to wonder if this playoff series and then all the media that's out there now is starting to get a little distracting to particular OKC more so than the Heat. Uh, that's an interesting question. Uh, I have to approach that in two ways. You know, one, I, I, I was fortunate enough to play on a championship team. I was captain of a championship team in college where we, uh, uh, you, uh we, uh, won 25 games in a row. We swept through our conference. We swept through our conference playoff. Uh, and then we lost second round in North Carolina. And I recall at the beginning of that year, I actually predicted that our team on radio that our team would go undefeated. Uh, so there, there's an aspect of expectations, and I, I don't think I think you know I think you know this as well as well, Greg. Kind of like um, our first responders, uh, your training comes into play, your mindset comes into play, based under pressure, based upon how you practice. And so if you practice as a championship and you approach as a championship and you expect to be there, there should be some rehearsal in your wiring that prepares you for that. Now, with that said, pressure busts are still tight. So it's one thing for you to go out and perform well during the playoffs, et cetera. But when you have those moments, those big moments, I think that's what really separates the, the, the greats from the, the greatest from the greats. And also... I, I didn't play in this in this modern society. I didn't play in this this, this modern age of social media where it's real time. Um, and you know, I played on a team where we were the darlings. We were the underdogs, and everybody was rooting for us. As opposed to uh, maybe being, you know, LeBron James is one of the, uh, from my understanding, one of the most unliked players in, in the world right yeah, now. Right. And so I never had to play underneath that scrutiny and that pressure. So there's a level of the pressure that these guys are facing that I'm unfamiliar with. But when you just look at the principles of performance, I think um, those of us who have won championships, those ones that have those experience, we know that what got us through the hard times is we prepared as champions and we, and we, we rehearsed some of those things before we got there. But I think today it is very hard to maintain that level of concentration uh, without blocking things out. And that's why I think we're seeing the success LeBron's having is that he's blocking out the social media, he's blocking out the news, he's blocking out the Twitter, he's getting rid of his rabbit ears, and he's just going into his own world. So when he steps on the court, he can just be him. And I think uh, in this day and age, other athletes may need to take a look at that approach. Is uh, you know sometimes it's good to shut the Twitter account down and, and shut Facebook down and, and, and close close yourself off from the talking heads and just focus on your craft until you get to the other side. Yeah, and, and it's interesting you said that because I, I know I was watching the Big Boy Show this morning and and I heard that I guess Kevin Durant has come to the defense of his colleague, of course, and uh, and that being Westbrook. 
And that tells me if he's coming to the defense of his colleague, which is Westbrook, and that people thinking that perhaps maybe Westbrook isn't playing the game as a true point guard, he needs to get more people involved, that the media is really getting to these guys because they feel that they have to respond to what the media is saying. On the other hand, uh, I think LeBron and D-Wade, they too are responding, but I'm not sure that it's having the same effect on them because, of course, some of that pressure was self-imposed by themselves. You know, LeBron, I remember, you know, not one, not two, not three, <laughs> not four, you know, and and that could be the, the level of confidence and, and, and I don't want to say arrogance, I'm going to say confidence that he has that I'm now on a team where the chemistry's here and the ability's here and we should and we expect to win these. But on the other hand, OKC, I don't think that, at least from the general public, that we think that these young men had the chance to win this early and multiple, because if they win this early, as young as they are, then the expectation from the fans and the media would be that they should win a lot more. I just don't think that, you know, they're able to compartmentalize the pressure of the media and just put the headsets on and just don't listen to it. Because I'm sure you at, at the university, man, everybody on that floor was was a, was a shooter. You know, everybody on the, shore, on, the, on the court could score. Let me ask you this as, as a former player. When you got somebody like Westbrook, you know, do you want to shut him down? Do you, if he's in a groove or is, if he's in a zone, do you want him to stay there or do you want him to actually try to get other people involved? Uh, I'm, I'm good with Westbrook. I'm good with West, Westbrook's approach for the first three quarters. It, 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 it's working for his team. Um, it's working for the dynamics of, of the way they're built and the way they play. Uh, my concerns, my issue with Westbrook is in the fourth in the fourth quarter. He's not the closer, and I think I think that's where his bad judgment comes in, and, and the way he plays serves as a, as a detriment. I, I think in the third, fourth quarter, particularly the second half of the fourth quarter, you got to all you get, you have to run it through Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant has to touch the ball every possession and let him make those decisions. And that's why I think what Westbrook's weakness is, is in his own mind, maybe he thinks he's just as good as closer as, uh, as, as Kevin Durant. And I think that, that could be a problem because anything with two heads is a monster. And every organization needs to have a top dog. And uh, is, is Kevin Durant your top dog or not? If he's your top dog, give him the ball and let him close the games out for you. Now, that, that's a very, very interesting perspective, the way you just brought that to our listeners' ears. And that is, hey, maybe he thinks that he can close. And if he thinks he can close, and there's already been one identified closer, I want to know whose job is it to let everybody on the team know Who's going to close in a certain situation? I hear music in the background. We're going to take a break. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix at Living Like It Matters. Of course, Mark Armstrong is with me. Basketball the Remix. We'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. 
so Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to beat. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely despise her, especially at 1-2. to two. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a 9-horse field, but really there are 7 donkeys and 2 zebras. Playing to Win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. You may not know all their names, but you certainly know what they did. They helped make this game into what it is today. Now we can do more to help them. The NFL Alumni Association is proud to assist our retired players to help make their lives better today and tomorrow. To learn more, please visit NFLalumni.org. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. Back goes O'Neal. He's at the shot. Got it. With 2.8 seconds left. to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we... We cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. Okay, you're the music, you know the show. You're listening to Ray Ellis Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. Uh, before we went to break, uh, Mark made a very interesting point, and I, I want to touch on that some because it's my understanding that perhaps maybe there may be an issue in the camp over at AOKC. Now, I'm not starting anything. It's just, you know, people are throwing some things around, and if you kind of read between the lines and you listen real closely, you might hear something. And you got Mo Cheeks, and you got Scott Brooks, and you got Derek Fisher, but then you got Westbrook, who appears not to be playing the point guard the way the position was drawn up and defined to be run. And then, of course, what you just said, Mark, at the end of the game in the fourth quarter, particularly the second half of the fourth quarter, he definitely should defer to Kevin Durant. But it appears that his level of confidence and his ability to close and to, you know, to be that man who gives that knockout shot is such that perhaps maybe he's not going according to the plan. Can you see that? Is that playing out? I mean, you you, you said that. I didn't ask. You you gave that to me. You, you volunteered that information, Mark. Do you see something there yourself that makes you think that? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That's what I thought um, the last two games, actually. Absolutely. And I think part of it may have to do with I saw uh, do with uh, how what Russell Westbrook arrived to where he's at. I saw you might have saw the interview they did, the profile they did on Russell uh, Westbrook. Uh, it might have been last game, the game before, 
And uh, he admit he plays with a chip on his shoulder. He is a young man who always felt he had to prove himself, overcome um, hurdles and obstacles to obtain his goals. So he may have that chip on his shoulder. I need to prove people prove people wrong. So though, and then this is where listening to the media, listening to social media may not have a positive uh, may not be producing the right result for Russell Westbrook because he may have the mindset, I need to prove these people wrong because that's kind of been his, 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 his MO as he developed as an athlete as opposed to stay focused on, uh, 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 stay focused on let me play my role, let me stay in my lane, you know, let me get, help us get to the fourth quarter and let Kevin Durant close games out. You know, it's, it, again, it, it's one of those things whereas – there's you want a person to be extremely confident. You don't want to t- you don't want to take their confidence from them, but you also want them to be coachable. And it appears to me and I, I, I one time somebody said something to me about, oh, man, he's very coachable. He played for such and such a person. Now, that such and such a person may be a great coach, but to be a great player, you, you have to be coachable. And, and I think perhaps maybe when I'm looking at Westbrook, I see sometimes whereas perhaps maybe there are little, there may be a little bit of frustration in Scotty Brooks because that's not necessarily what Scotty wanted out of Russell Westbrook at that particular time in the game. I, I remember, you know, a famous shot by Magic Johnson is the sky hook across the middle. Now I will tell you this. Magic took that shot at the end of the game, but I tell you what, when, when Magic drove into the lane, you see about two or three people that are on him. Magic could have very, Kareem was open. Magic could have just, you know, dropped that pass over to the left. And over his left shoulder, Kareem was open because everybody converged to Magic. But Magic had the confidence that he could make that baby sky hook, and it became one of the greatest shots of, of all time. Uh, I, you know, I think the thing with Westbrook is that I think you, you hit it on the nose. He feels as if he has to prove a point. But let me say this. One of the greatest players, and this is why I feel Miami Heat should win this series, is because if you take the best Five players in the NBA today, two of them would be on the Miami Heat's team, and that's Dwayne Wade and LeBron James. So I'm going to look at, you know, 50 of the greatest players ever, and two of the 50 of the greatest players played on a team together. And, of course, Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen. Now, Scottie, I don't think Scottie ever got to the point where he felt as if he had to prove himself, but he's still one of the 50 greatest players there ever were. Did sometimes do you think that the coach just needs to go ahead and sit him down and, 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 and just make him look at what's going on? Or, or is there another way and another method of what the coach is able to, you know, to get his point across to a basketball player in the heat of the moment? And if you will share some of that with us, Mark, of how you can get a scorer's attention or you can get a player to, to play team ball instead of being a selfish player. Ooh. You know, my first thoughts, Ray, if that rapport and that dynamic's not already already in place with the player and the coach before the heat of the battle, it, that that's a tough one. That that's a tough one because uh, you, you know we're all we're all dictated by our emotions, and if my emotions are heightened and I'm passionate about a, this approach, and my coach is maybe calling me out or su- suggesting something that I receive as uh, as a criticism, or or I perceive as he doesn't have confidence in me, that could have a that could have a very negative impact. 
you know, I'm of the belief that all the coaching and the reports of it, that have to take place before you get into battle. Uh, you know, once, I mean, once you, once you're in battle, uh, I, I think the best thing to do is just to be direct and have to tell them, say like, hey, you know, and one thing you could do is in a huddle, in a huddle, instead of, uh, and my, one my, my coach, Paul Westhead, uh, taught me this lesson, through indirection you find direction. So one approach I might do if I, is if when we're in the huddle, I call the timeout, instead of talking to Russell about, um, hey, I need you to stop doing this or I need you to do that, I would talk to Kevin and say, Kevin, big boy, we need you to take us home. Everybody was jumping on Kevin's back. Russell, I need you to help Kevin help us close this game out. And taking that type of approach, now you, 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 you direct it, you direct it at being like Kevin, but indirectly you're giving Russell direction in a manner that isn't going to attack his ego or offend him directly in front of his teammates. So if I was in the heat of the battle and I wanted to make that adjustment, that might be one of the approaches I would take is within the huddle, I would, I would call Kevin, call upon Kevin to take us home and everybody let's support Kevin and let him take us home. You know, Mark, it's interesting that you bring that up because uh, I actually, I think it's Bobby Mitchell. Please forgive me. I've been hitting my head too many times. Great running back for the Cleveland Browns who <laughs> played in the backfield with Jim Brown. And, and Jim Brown was, was such a statue of a man and was so intimidating that he said that there were times where he knew that the comments that were made, even though they were directed directly to him, they were indirect comments that were directed towards Jim Brown. But the coach, for some reason or another, didn't want to say it to Jim directly. So indirectly, he would look directly at, at Bobby and make these comments that he knew the comments were not meant for him. They were meant for Jim. And so that, that's interesting. That, that style has been around uh, for a while. But let me ask you something. Is that in terms of the player, is the, in terms of the DNA of the player, what is that, a player that can't accept coaching? Is that a player that is as some some component of, un, you know, he's undisciplined in some capacity? Why is it that you can't give him a direct uh, direct instructions in terms of what you want done out on the court. Uh, describe that kind of basketball player to me that you're that you you know you just described in terms of hey this is a person that you you can't say that to him directly you got to go in directly. Well, I, I think um, you know that type of player is uh, is, is, is temperamental and, and immature, uh, but that's part of the job of of, of coaching even in, even in the professional ranks. Uh, our job is to help players grow and become the best uh, ball player they can be. So even even when, and that's the sign of all great players. One thing I admire about uh, Magic Johnson, a longtime Laker fan myself, is every year he came back, he got better. Throughout his career, every year he came back, he had something new in his toolbox. And you saw that with Kobe. Every year he came back, he had something better. He had something new. And that that's our job. So on one hand, you know you're dealing with an imperfect, unfinished product, and it's the challenge of the coach to exercise that kind of patience to help pull that, to help the player mature, help the player grow. I think the challenge is can you, how much of that can you get done on the offseason, on the practice court, so when you're in a game, it can go seamless. Uh, because when you do have temperamental, immature players, Sometimes you still you still lose the handle on them in the midst of the in the midst of the competition and, and the heat of the battle. So that, that's always a 
that's a balancing act for a coach who has a player like that. You know, and it's interesting, again, that you did you bring that point up because I know uh, that you have a product and, and that you believe in a game, and you believe that the game of basketball should be played and not necessarily coached. That's in the heat of things, I believe it is. So like you said, perhaps maybe the, the coaching should take place prior to the game and, and the battle, and, and then when it's played, they've already received the instructions, and it's, it's almost like the subconscious mind should kind of take over and you should know how to handle situations. But I want to ask you this, and I may be wrong. I'm going to let you answer that. But also I want to throw something else in there because this player that I see in Westbrook, I, I see another player that he reminds me of who didn't have the same – structure and stature that he has in terms of his body but I believe Allen Iverson reminds me a little bit of a, mm-hmm. of a Westbrook with, with, with the level of confidence and mm-hmm. the ability to get any shot anytime he wanted to but again Allen should have been a point guard for the Philadelphia 76ers but he didn't always play like a point guard mm-hmm. and and so do, do you think you see a little bit and again the maturity factor too you know, do you do you see a little bit of Allen Iverson maybe in, in Westbrook or or no? Uh, definitely from the the style of play, a shoot first, pass second, point guard, uh, a, a, a high revving motor, um, going to the basket, et cetera. I, I definitely I definitely see that. I think the difference is. Uh, Allen had true swag. I think Allen knew who the heck he was even back at Georgetown. Well, I think Westbrook is still figuring it out. I think uh, Allen, I think Allen expected to be an all-star. Allen expected at some point he'll win a championship. I think those are some things he expected. He has that, remember Allen's swag, the tattoos, the afro, the cornrows. He was the leader of the new school. And I think Westbrook is trying to find him, trying to define who he is and who he's going to be as an NBA player and, and what his mark, what his mark is. Where Allen, where Allen just fulfilled expectations to a certain extent. Westbrook has been exceeding expectations and kind of in this new space trying to figure it, you know, figure it all out. Um, One thing but, I'll say for sure uh, about those comments that you just made is. Allen didn't. Ha- that was Allen's basketball team. It wasn't in, uh, in terms of the go-to guy too. Oh, there's one point. thing. I, yeah, yeah. That it, there's no doubt about it. It was you were going to Allen all the time. <laughs> it was going to be his. Yeah. And, and they even bought in a point guard in Eric Snow to make sure that you know he got the ball into Allen's hands at the right time and the right position on the court. Uh, but certainly there was there was none other there to challenge Allen as to whose team it possibly could be and who the closer was. Mm-hmm. But uh, but mm-hmm. and, and Allen had that level of confidence that you know that he needed to have and the swag, a swag different than anybody's ever bought to the NBA and mm-hmm. I, I I was certainly proud of that and uh, uh, as they as they call it the hip hop you know and Allen bought mm-hmm. hip hop to the NBA. Listen, we're gonna take this last break and then we're gonna come back and we're gonna finish the show. I'm having a great show and having a great time with Mark Armstrong, of course. Basketball the remix. You'll find out about that real soon because we're going to talk about it on the other side of the break. You listen to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. And we'll be right back. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. 
So Andy Serling packed his bags, left the city, and is enjoying his temporary digs in Saratoga. But that won't stop us from bringing you Playing to Win, the best online handicapping show for serious horse players. Catch Andy and his great lineup of guests every week throughout the month of August on location from the beautiful Saratoga Racecourse. He and his guests are some of the best in the biz. They bring you new insights to making money, and they tell it like it is. I'm 3-5-1 in this race, but the 3 is very much the one to be. We're going to completely disagree on this race. I absolutely despise her, especially at 1-2. And it's anything but the same old horse racing show. This is a 9-horse field, but really there are 7 donkeys and 2 zebras. Playing to Win with Andy Serling, a show seriously committed to making more money at the game, but with a personality. This is a dunce cap horse for me. If this horse wins, next week I got the dunce cap on. YouBet.com's Playing to Win, presented by the Daily Racing Forum. Look for it the day before big race days, mostly Fridays. Find a complete schedule in the Daily Racing Forum or click on Playing to Win at YouBet.com. You may not know all their names, but you certainly know what they did. They helped make this game into what it is today. Now we can do more to help them. The NFL Alumni Association is proud to assist our retired players to help make their lives better today and tomorrow. To learn more, please visit NFLalumni.org. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Back, you're listening to Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. I'm in Phoenix, living like it matters. I'm with Mark Armstrong. Mark is the president and founder of Peach Basket Development. His product, of course, is Basketball the Remix. Uh, let, let's let's mix it up a little bit here, and I'm going to change and and talk about something that's, of course, uh, near and dear to my heart, and that is we got another basketball player coming out of the Ohio State University. Okay. And, yeah, and it appears that there may be some issues. Uh, Jared uh, Sullinger is uh, expected to be, uh, you know, one of the top picks in the NBA draft. And it appears that uh, after going through some examinations, uh, that there are some concerns. And uh, those concerns could scare some people away. Uh, what what do you think about that, Mark? Uh, I mean, you have to go through the examinations, and uh, after, of course, what happened a few years ago, we are not looking to to see that happen again. Yeah, I think uh, I'm just hearing it um, off the wire, just as as you are, and I think that could have a. a I think it will have an impact. If I was a GM, uh, understanding you, you know the back. Uh, the pound that he's going to go through, uh, first of all, the up and down, the, uh, the constant jumping, um, as well as um, the, the heightened risk of, of, of injury. I think that might that would impact my uh, assessment of him. I would really want to know the severity of it, and I would really want to know are the uh, what's the treatment approach that he would have to implement and maintain to minimize the risk of something seriously happening and me not getting a return on my investment. Because at the, end, at the end of the day, as we know, Brad, it's return on investment. Yeah, it is. And, and, and that's the thing about it is, you know, sometimes you, you can take some risk 
when it comes to a pick and a person's injuries. But nowadays, yeah, there has to be extensive testing, and you need to have all the information because you're making such an investment in some of these players. And we talk about millions and millions of guaranteed money when it comes to NBA players. And and so uh, I, I'm just I'm, I'm really shocked that uh, that, that Jared is, is coming out this year. I thought he would come out. He would have come out last year. I'm shocked that he's still in, uh, you know, in college and, and played basketball this year, of course. But he wanted to go after that national championship. But it's, it's, it's something that's really interesting. But you one thing that you mentioned off the air in uh, that I'm I'm reading it in the article is that uh, one method of rehabilitation that you're an, um, a supporter, avid supporter of is, is yoga. And that's one of the things that they're talking about. Uh, he's been engulfed in a lot of yoga. Yeah, I, I, I think one of the interesting things as, as we watch the approach to um, athletic training in 2012 compared to uh, what we was working with uh, back when I was playing over 20, 25 years ago, is new approaches. You can just go into any health club today and see that the way people really train for athletics is, is, is totally different. And what I, from my personal experience and just observing what some of the top athletes do who really stay in shape year-round is flexibility is so key. And there's, there's nothing else, uh, you know, there's yoga and Pilates, as far as I know, are the two uh, widely uh, – best-known, highly respected forms uh, or systems of uh, stretching and loosening your body up. And, and definitely, uh, I have a young son, and he isn't participating in athletics yet, but once he, once he starts, I'm definitely going to get him in the habit of, of doing uh, yoga, Pilates, and, and stretching. Yeah, I mean, this is so serious is that uh, some uh, people have even been told uh, to stay away from uh, Sullinger in the, in the first round, and uh, they've been advised not to draft him uh, in the first round. So th- this is this this is pretty serious, and and I hope and pray for him that he's able to get himself together. But you mentioned something about flexibility, and it's something that I always thought when I saw. I don't care what sport you watch, but when you when you watch the activities of these players and some of the things that they do, it's just you have to look at th- the players in amazement when you see their bodies and the positioning that their bodies end up in, particularly in football sometimes when they get tackled, and there's all kind of people on top of them, and their body is built, I mean, they're they're bent into position, and you're thinking, oh, my God, is his limb going to be ripped apart? His leg going to be apart from his body? His his arm going to be over to the left and the body to the right? It's amazing, and you see some guys come down on their necks. It's just amazing uh, that these guys are able to get up and walk away sometimes when, when you think about the positions they find themselves in with t- tons of weight on top of them as well. And so if there's something out there, whether it's Pilates or yoga, that can help the recovery or the prevention of some of these injuries, uh, that would be uh, something that I would certainly be an advocate for. And I, I wish I would have done it back in the days when I played. If it, it could have extended my career, certainly would have been something. But not only just extend your career, but if it just could have ease the blow and and the results of the long-term effects yes you know of your body from you know taking on all those injuries and running up and down the basketball courts yes. I, I i totally agree with you 100 percent. yeah i think that's something i certainly would have did well what i wanted to do before we close out 
uh, of course, is Mark, I want you to talk a little bit about your, your, your product again. Of course, your company is Peach Basketball Development, and you have a product called Basketball the Remix. We got a couple minutes. Why don't you take a couple minutes to let everybody know about that product? Uh, absolutely, Ray. Always appreciate the opportunity to share Basketball the Remix. Uh, Peach Basket Development is a sports recreation entertainment company. Uh, basketball to Remix is a new method, a uh, new basketball game. It's an action basketball game. One of the most notable characteristics is we play without a backboard. In addition to playing without a backboard, we've incorporated over 20 innovations, including demarcation of the court, rules, team size, to create a faster, more challenging game of basketball. Um, traditional basketball players who play basketball to Remix all have confirmed that it improves the ability to play traditional basketball, especially the ability to shoot the ball. So we're working right now to start uh, launching a series of basketball to remix leagues here in the Phoenix, Arizona area. We will be uh, broadcasting live over the Internet those games as well as having that content available on demand. And, hey, our, you know, our objective is change the game, change the communities, want to create new opportunities, economic opportunities for people in urban cities all around the country to be able to participate in economic sports and have a positive impact in the communities, provide alternative activities for young people to get involved with and leverage sports, as both of us have, Ray, to uh, build positive lives. So that's what we're all about at Peach Basket Development with Basketball to Remix. Oh, and... Uh, you know, you can Google basketball, the T-H-E remix, R-E-M-I-X, and you go straight to our website. Check us out. Well, that's great, man. Hey, if anything is going to improve the game of basketball, you know, because one thing that there is, is a little bit of a problem out there, and, and that is the shooting percentages. It appears that, you know, when you look at some of the ball players, when they go to the foul line, maybe they're not dropping them as the way they should. Uh, the percentage is a mm-hmm. little off. Uh, and you know what I, the problem is. You know what the problem is that Ray is is we're 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 in a, we're in a season of specialists. You don't really like so so you hear this thing like Tim Tebow. He's a football player. Okay, that means Tim can play almost any any position on the field almost. Where we don't have a lot of basketball players. We got a lot of skilled positions. LeBron James, a basketball player. D. Wade's a basketball player. You know, Kobe Bryant's a basketball player. Kevin Durant's a basketball player. Collison's not a basketball player. Chalmers isn't a basketball player. Patty isn't a basketball player. You know, there's skilled positions. You know, and I think that's something that I would like to see, you know, in our game, uh, because of the pace of the game, the rules of the game, everybody has to be able to dribble, pass, and shoot. Well, I certainly like that approach too, Mark. I've always felt that I, I, particularly when it comes to the game of football, I don't know why when a guy goes out for tryouts and he's got a little extra weight on him, they automatically put him on the line of scrimmage. And I think, wow, that could be a fullback. Uh, that could be an outside linebacker, middle linebacker, tight end, but, but you never know. But I got the music. We got to go. Mark, thank you so much uh, for joining the show again. That's Mark Armstrong from Peach Basket Development. His product, of course, is Basketball the Remix. You've been listening to my product, Rail of Sports on the Voice America Network. Work and I'll see you next time, which will be the best time.